This second year of entering into the second semester, I'm reminded again as I uh, look out here and think about this past week of the blessing of being at the university as students. You guys are always in a state of searching for what it is that you're looking for life, what it is that uh, you're being asked to do, what it is you want to do, where it is you want to go. There's sort of a freedom that is uh, at operation because of the unique time and place that you are here. And hence, the reason for the Newman Center is to give that special place for you as students to really look at life and to ask yourself important and deep questions that your parents and your aunts and uncles and neighborhood people have either already asked or um, are already into their journey of life. And so for you guys, you're here because you're studying, because you're looking for your uh, career in life, what it is that you want to do. But We also know that as Christians, we come here because God calls each person to a vocation. And you are called by God. That is the nature of vocation. Vocare is to call. Right? Vocal, to be vocal is to allow your voice, right? God is vocal. So he has a vocation for you. And so you are called to live in a particular way the Christian life. I was with my brother the other night who has been called to the vocation of marriage. And uh, there was a a beautiful moment where we're on the couch. Um, Initially, it's just me and my two nephews. Uh, One of them's a little uh, feisty, you know, guy jumping on the couches all over the place, having fun, smiling, poking his brother. And then the other brother that's just a little bit older than him uh, used to kind of be the same, but he's kind of got some muscle to him now. And all of a sudden, so I watched as (laughs) as he finally over the last, I don't know when this happened, but he finally like has had enough of this little brother who like won't stop. And he just squishes his head into the chair. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's not going to continue much longer after uh, he's going to learn his lesson. From that moment, then, you know, what do we want to watch? We want to watch Leo, the story of the lizard or tortoise or whatever, you know. So we're watching Leo and we're there. And and then my brother Joe's coming and he's on the other end of the couch and they got back from a basketball game, you know, him and his older son are playing basketball and they come and the older son walks in, you know, and doesn't say anything to Uncle Father John because, you know, you don't want to appear, you know, too cordial to, uh, might not be cool. So he sits in the big chair and we're all watching Leo. And at a certain point, I don't know what all transpired, at a certain point, I am at one end of a couch, my twin brother is at the other end of the couch, and there's three rutten boys squished between us. A beautiful experience of God. A beautiful experience of a vocation. It reminded me of growing up, and in my house, when it was this cold out, we lived uh, like in a house that was 100 years old, and so uh, the, the windows were drafty, and the floor was cold, you know, in the living room because there was no basement underneath it, and we had a kerosene heater in the living room, and it just was always there. I think it was there in the summertime, in the wintertime, whether it was used or not used. The kerosene heater was like the center. The TV was the center of the room, but the kerosene heater was a really essential part of the room in the winter. 
And we would all gather around. Everybody would be on their the couches with blankets. And then if you got down by the floor colder, you know, you were at least colder because you were laying on the floor. But at least you had the heater closer by and you'd put a pillow behind. And we'd watch Dukes of Hazard. I used to think you guys wouldn't know what Dukes of Hazard is. But I found out I grew up in the most amazing time. And you're all listening to my rate music. And you're watching my TV shows. And you're knowing the people that when we grew up. Dukes of Hazard, right? Awesome. And I had this memory of like, that I loved growing up. Mom and dad there, and we were all around. What a beautiful vocation my parents had to marriage. When we look at the gospel, we see that the apostles are called by Jesus to leave their work behind and follow. They're called to leave their family behind and follow him. I wonder if maybe you're like me. That somehow we think of marriage is the vocation where you get to have it all. And priesthood is the vocation where you have to let it all go. You have to leave it behind. That somehow subtly, maybe in our culture, we think of, if I'm called to the priesthood, I have to lose things. I have to sacrifice. I don't get those beautiful moments on the couch or around the fire with my children. Now, that actually is true for the priesthood. And I don't think that's the error in our thinking. I think the error in our thinking is we don't understand marriage is sacrifice. That marriage isn't the thing where like, I fell in love and now I get to live this whole life this way. That's the way God like usually works. But if you are called to the vocation of marriage, my friends, as a Christian, you will sacrifice Because every call from Jesus Christ is a call to give your life away. Because the Christian is one who has discovered a love that says, now I want to love others. And to love others is to will their good over your own. To love others is to give, to serve. The culture tells us to love is to get what I want, to be pleasing. Love, though, is actually to do what is good for another. And so everyone's caught to it. And the only way to make community thrive is to serve. The only way to bring real authentic life into this world is to give. And in the mysterious way in which God works, if you do those things, you actually receive more than what you even imagined you wanted. And so God calls us to a vocation. And each one has its dynamics in which we're all called to leave something behind. And we're all called to sacrifice. Sometimes, though, we just have to go deeper into how it is that the thing that we're so attracted to happens. The reason that 
my sister-in-law wasn't in the midst of this crew at the moment it occurred to me, because she was before, is because their fourth child, Anthony, needed to go to bed. Children require sacrifice, require service, require giving up all kinds of things. I don't think my brother would mind me telling you that I think when their fourth child was coming, one of the things he began to think was, well, I guess there goes a lot of my retirement plans. Because my brother's 46. And then he started to appreciate that when his child Anthony was born, my father was the exact same age when he had two of us. And we weren't number three and four, but seven and eight. I'm grateful that my father understood it was God who called him to bring life into this world. That it was God who wanted him to be generative. That it was God who wanted him to be a part of this eternal work right here in this world. So that my father, when he heard the call, said, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And because of that, I can be here in front of you today. That kerosene lantern, that kerosene heater that made the family all come together in those nights was in the back porch. You filled it up, the canister. And every once in a while, we'd fight over who had to put on their slippers or their socks or go out into the cold back porch to fill up the canister when the kerosene ran out. It never occurred to me until this morning, preparing for this homily, that someone had to make sure the canister in the back porch was full. I wonder who it was that did that. I got a little insight into it because at a certain point before my sister-in-law and the littlest one had gone away, someone said, popcorn? And without a moment's hesitation, my brother said, would you guys like popcorn? And you know what that meant for him? He had to go to Walmart in that moment. And I was so grateful I didn't have to be the one. (laughs) You see, the images we have of this world are awesome and beautiful. I hope you look at people somewhere in this life and say, they have something I want. I hope you look at a Christian people and say, I don't know the joy they have, but somehow I want to get it too. I hope you have an experience here as the Newman Center as students that says, wow, this isn't what I expected, but this is really beautiful. 
but know that at the heart of it is someone who easily, who has already died to themselves and heard the love of God and been filled in such a way that they want to serve you. It's a unique and beautiful time to receive. And you're not just receiving from people. The people you're receiving from are, they are the presence of God. But in that, we're growing mature so that all of you too one day can say, God, where is it that you're calling me? And for some of you, it will be to fatherhood. And to others of you, it will be to religious life. And to some of you, it will be to a generous single life. And to some of you, it will be to the priesthood. And what is the vocational call to the priesthood? At the origin of what it is that I am to do here and has been done for 2,000 years is simply to make sure that this place is full of fuel. To make sure that the Eucharist is present in this world that people might be fed. And there are people on this campus who have no idea that this is the origin of why we are joyful. Maybe some of you haven't even thought about the fact that this somehow is connected to Thursday night at Dollar Dinner. Maybe it hasn't occurred to you that the priesthood is what makes possible mercy and a beginning again. But that's the love of God. And he loves you so much, he desired for this to never end. Is God calling you? Together, as one family, gathered around the fire of his love, let us listen. And if you hear his voice, I pray you do his will.